talking about a topic like sickle cell, but doing it in a poetic manner, I mean, he, you could just talk about it. But he wrote about it. And I'm saying he wrote a poem about it, set the poem to music. And how many of you know it was powerful? I'm trying to say the Psalms is powerful, powerful poetry. And we saw that illustrated, didn't we, um, by virtue of the Psalm talking about a tree. And we took two weeks to talk about, talk about trees. And we talked about Dr. Martin, Lo Dr. Martin Lloyd Jones last week and the fact that he spent seven years going through the book of Romans. And some weeks he'd deal with just one word in one verse. We did that. We took one word and done it over two weeks, a tree. Part one and part two. And then last week, what did we talk about? Can you remember? We talked about um, that which was contrasted with the tree, which is the chaff. And, <clears throat> and hopefully this week, we're still going to be in Psalm 1, but looking at it from a different point of view, another point of view, and we're going to talk about the blessed man. And so, um, just to remind us, I put the text up. Psalm 1 says, Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers, but his delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law he meditates day and night. He is like a tree planted by streams of water that yields its fruit in its season and its leaf does not wither. In all that he does, he prospers. Last week, the wicked are not so, but are like chaff that the wind drives away. Therefore, the wicked will not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. For the Lord knows the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked will perish. I made a commitment, and the commitment that I made was I would try to summarize the previous week by doing a rap, trying to consolidate it. Now, last week I flopped, and um, I nearly flopped again this week. God helped me by his amazing grace. I don't even know how, like, pretty much I wrote this this morning. And um, whether or not it's going to make any sense, it's going to be neither here nor there, but I'm going to attempt to try and summarize slightly, not, not, just two, not just last week, but last week and the week before. So talking about the tree and the chaff, what I'm saying. I've got no one to help me this week. Last week I had three people holler at me. No one hollered at me this week. <laughs> so, so it's a good thing I had a little something prepared, isn't it? So here we go. And I've got to read it, and I'm not like Depa. I, I, can't mem I haven't memorized this far from it. Um, this is, there's a little hook. And it goes, it's a miracle, how can it be, that the bound are set free? The old man is the new me, that's when chaff becomes a tree. It's a miracle, how can it be, that the bound are set free? The old man is the new me, that's when chaff becomes a tree. Singing and dancing in the rain like Fred Astaire with my umbrella. I'm an old black man that can, re that can relate to a young white Cinderella. All my possessions fit in plastic bags, no designer tags. I used to be in proverbial rags. I got two ugly stepsisters who constantly deride me, defame and criticize me. They actually live inside me. Together they're called the flesh. One's, one's named ugly and the other one's evil. The flesh is feeble. 
It's ugly and it's evil. It's double-minded like Smeagol. And if that weren't enough, I got a dark stepmother who's on another level, functions like a real rebel. She's dead stamp of the devil. Shim, he shim, he him, she him. Shim wants me to be her ting. String me on like a muppet and have me dangling like a puppet. And she did. Got me addicted to sin from birth in a cradle. Fam is crazy, trapped in a bando like a crack baby. And as pretty as I was, like I said, Cinderella was my name. But as I grew, more sinful I became. Yeah. That was me until I met someone like no other. If you like, the boss undercover. Metaphorically speaking, my fairy godmother. His name is Jesus. It was like, get out. I needed to get out. <laughs> I would scream and shout. Seemed like no one was listening. But she came. I mean, he came. The rescuer. No pumpkins, mice, or horses delivered me from evil forces. He didn't wave a magic wand. In fact, he couldn't move his hands because they were nailed on either side. And they took a, a big magic wand type spear and pierced him in his side. Now it began to grow dark. My savior hanging on the cross, not for himself, but for the sinful and the lost. He who became for us sin in order that we might become the righteousness of God in him. Quickly, Cinderella, the clock's about to strike. And you know what's going to happen at midnight, right? Nothing will be the same. Everything is going to change. So at 12 o'clock, it happened. Dramatic transformation. Like 2 Corinthians, like Corinthians 5 says, I became a new creation. Standing there in white, a male bride for all to see. And you could hardly even recognize me because the chaff had become a tree. It's a miracle. How can it be that the bound are set free? The old man is the new me. That's when chaff becomes a tree. Amen. So, like I've said over the past few weeks, I'm doing that fundamentally for my benefit, for my own growth and development, trying to stretch myself. Um, but I'd hope it be an encouragement. Hey, what's going on, guys? I hope it be an encouragement to you too to utilize your gift. I'm going to talk a little bit more about art. Again, thank you, Ali, for sharing that song. So powerful. You know what I mean? Art is... So, Psalm 1, right? What more can we find as we excavate this portion of text? Well, like I said, verse 1 to 3 mainly talks about the blessed or the righteous person. Last week we said righteous was a key phrase. Verse 4 to 6 talks about the, the wicked or the sinner, which also is a key phrase in the text. So we have blessing on the one hand or perishing, and then we have the righteous on the one hand or the sinner. Can you see that? And we saw how this psalm directly related to you and me, sadly, um, identifying all of us as the unrighteous. I mean, we fall into the category of the sinner, into the category of the wicked. We're the blessed, at least from the outset. We're not, we're not, the, we're not the blessed, we're the unrighteous. We're not the, the tree, we're actually the chaff, right? Because last week we said that we were born in sin, remember? We're born in sin and Psalm 58 verse 3 said it for us wonderfully that from the womb we go astray. 
Um, one translation says, you've done wrong and lied from the day you were born. Psalm 51, which we didn't mention last week, says, Behold, I was brought forth in iniquity, and in sin my mother did conceive me. How many of you know we all were born in sin? And I'm saying everyone has been born in that fashion from birth. That's why we need a new birth, right? We said last week, Jesus said, you must be born again. And that's the, the true state of every single human being that's ever lived. Would you agree? Well, if you'd agree, you'd be right. Every single individual has been born in sin. But it's a good thing you never said, yeah, that's true. Because I would have said, you're actually wrong. <laughs> um, you'd be right and you'd be wrong. You'd be right that everyone's a sinner, but you'd be wrong because not everyone is a sinner. Isaiah 53 goes on and says, notice, all who... All we, like sheep, have gone astray, and we have turned everyone to his own way, right? That's true of everyone, right? But how many of you know it's not true of everyone? All right, some of you can tell where I'm going, right? Romans chapter 3, verse 22 through to um, verse 23 says, For there is no distinction, for all have sinned and fall short of God's perfect standards fall short of the glory of God. But how many of you know that's not true? It is true. But it's not completely true. Because there is one person of which this is not true. Who is that person? Well, he's a he, right? <laughs> he's unique. And he's a man. 100%. But he's not just a man. But he is a man. How many of you know his name? His name's Adam. <laughs> Adam number two. You know, there was, you know there's two Adams in the Bible, right? See, and this Adam number two was actually in the garden with the first Adam. Hey. At the beginning in, 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 in the book of Genesis, right at the beginning of the Bible. And how many of you know... The same Adam, number two, is going to appear later on, right at the end of the Bible, in the book of Revelation, in another garden. But it's a much, much, much more extravagant garden with a whole heap more people in it. More about that next week. Are you beginning to guess who this blessed person is? Are you beginning to guess who this blessed person could actually be? Isaiah 59, again, so true, verse 2 of Isaiah 59 says, but your iniquities have made a separation between you, Robert, and your God. And I would say the same is true for everyone in the room, at least at a certain point in time, right? And that because of our sin. But not everyone has been born separated from God. Not everybody needs to be, everyone needs to be born again, but not everybody needs to be born again. How many of you know there was a particular person that was born in a very significant way? More about that next week. But again, I highlight our dilemma, the fact that we need to be born again. <clears throat> and, and the question tonight, tonight, the question today, we might end up here being, tonight, being here tonight. The question is, how does a person who is evidently a sinner become righteous, right? That was last week's fundamental question. Today we asked the question, how did 
the only ever righteous person becomes sin. Did you catch that? Right? Last week, how does an how does evidently, outwardly, extensively sinful person become righteous? Last week, but this week, how does a righteous person become sin? So let me pray. Father, um, would you please help us to see Jesus in this text? And it's in his name we pray. Amen. So verse 1 of this psalm. Blessed is the man. How many of you know it's true? Blessed, genuinely, is the man. That is the unique, distinct son of man that I've been describing. How many of you know this psalm isn't just about all the things that we've been talking about over the past five weeks? It is, but it isn't. Not just. It's about those things, if you like, superficially, especially comparatively speaking today. It's about those things super, superficially, but substantially, it's actually about Jesus. Remember, this is a psalm, right? It's a song. It's a poem set to music. How many of you know, you hear a song once, you ain't got it all. You need to go back and listen to it again. I can't believe one day I was here, one day, I think it must have been three or four weeks ago, we had a visitor, a brother that I know from time, like when I passed the Ephraim's Bridgens, who I became friends with, a guy called Tex. And he was sitting over there, and I was preaching. I was like, well, that's Tex over there. I never even got to catch up with him. Tutus, I'm in Sainsbury's, um, Bell Green, Sydenham. And I see Tex like, walking down one of the, I'm like, Tex, what, go on? He's like, yeah, safe, man. I was like, cool. I never even got to see you on that Sunday. Yeah, how you doing, man? He's like, yeah, but it's been a minute, blah, 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 right, right, right. And he's like, you know what? I couldn't believe. Now, now, Tex is a DJ. Tex said to me, I couldn't believe. When you said to me that tune by the future is called Ain't Got Time For Nothing. He said, you know how long I've known that tune? I'm a DJ. You know how long I've been playing that tune? He said, it was only when you mentioned it. I went back and I listened to the tune. I was like, my gosh. Rod, that's a tune. And it's actually a Christian tune. Again, if you weren't hearing, you're hearing it for the first time, go check the futures. Ain't got time for nothing. Why did I say that? I said that. <laughs> I do know why I said it. I said that. I said that because a song is multi-layered. You know, you hear a song, you think you know it, you don't know it. We heard Ali's song today. How many of you know you're going to need to hear that tune? A couple times, well over to really, to be able to extract the nutrients. That's really, even, like, like, even as I was listening, there was a couple, couple lines, I was like, oi, oi. But, you know what I mean? All right, you, all right, I can get a witness, right? Because you felt the same as you were listening to it. And I'm like, but I know I've got to go back and unpack that song a bit more to really get what's in there. Now, it's just like God's word, in a sense. You know what I mean? That's why we read it. Oh, you're like, okay, you read, I don't know, Fifty Shades of Grey. I can't think of another book. That's not a good example of a book. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, but, yeah, but don't act like you never read it, though. Don't act like you never watched it, though. Right. Now, I ain't watched it, and I don't want to watch it. But the only reason I know not to watch it is because others have watched it and told, and told me not to watch it. But when you read a novel, how many of you know you, you read it, 
or you see a film, you don't need to go and watch it again, or you don't need to read it again. That's a novel. God's word ain't like a novel. I mean, I'm a bit unusual. I, you know, I watch a film, right, or I read a book, and give me a year or two, ask me about it, and I'm like, I know it was good. I, can li- I literally the other day sat down and watched a film I'd seen before, and I was there on the edge of my seat. <laughs> like, what's going to happen next? <laughs> so how much more than the Bible? I mean, if, 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 I, if I need to watch a film a couple times to get it, like Inception, I had to watch Inception. I still don't think I got it because there's so much layers on it. You know what I mean? I'm like, but so how much more the Bible? You know what I mean? It's like you've got to read it over and over and over and keep reading it and rereading it. It took me 15 years to find out that the whole Bible is one story. I always used to think you've got the Old and the New Testament. They're completely different and distinct. They are, but they're not. They're two parts to one story. I learned that 15 years after becoming a Christian. Oh, this is not even working, is it? <laughs> and, <clears throat> and I'm trying to say, God's, how many of you know we need to meditate on God's word? And as we do so, we'll be, we'll be able to extract. The, and it's funny because God's word is multi-layered. In order to unravel all of the layers, it takes time. And that's what we've been doing over the past five weeks. Imagine, still in Psalm 1, unraveling the layer, unstacking, unpacking, unraveling this poem. And what we've been doing reminds me of a lyric that describes that which we've been doing. Right? I'm going to show you the lyric in a minute. Um, it's from a song that I heard maybe 15, possibly 20 years ago I heard this song. 90% of you, I suspect, won't know it. Some of you may. Now, <clears throat> you're going to have to stay awake and stay with me. Right? Because if you don't, I'm convinced I'm going to lose some of you. And if I lose you, don't, don't get upset with me when in two or three minutes you say, what did he say? It's not my fault. You drifted off. So stay awake. Stay with me. All right? Because I'm going to... I'm gonna Beg your pardon? Fair, fair notice. I lie, bruv. Amen. Because I'm going to drop multiple mixed metaphors on you, right? Now, now, here's the lyric. Remember, I said there's a lyric that came to mind that reminded me of what we're doing. All right, here's the lyric. It says, They call me Santa on wax because I bless them with the presents when they unravel my raps. It's a bar, isn't it? <laughs> think about, take a minute and just think about that. Sell off. They call me Santa on wax because I bless them with the presents when they unravel my raps. Yo! Oi. Jesus is not only the blessed man in Psalm 1, but he's the blessed man who provides blessing. Now, that's not heresy, is it? Amen. That means you've stuck with me. If you like, Jesus, in these lyrics, is like Santa. A lie? Because we get blessed with presents from Jesus. (laughs) Right? Because Santa gives gifts. He gives presents. But obviously, the word presents has a double meaning. Right? 
and you only begin to understand that this is about Jesus as you unravel his raps. I mean, if you know Jesus is a rapper, in quotes. <laughs> Jesus has words that he has communicated, a lie? How many of you know that the Bible is God's word? And Jesus is God. Therefore, in an oversimplistic way, it's not unfair to say that the Bible is Jesus' words. Is that right? The Bible is the word of God. Jesus is God. Then the Bible must be Jesus' words. A lie? Amen. I know you're sticking really close to me now. So in that sense, you could say Jesus is a rapper, and he's got bars. He's a rapper like no other, literally and metaphorically. So we could say that the Bible is Jesus' words. You could also say Jesus is the word. True? John chapter 1. John chapter 1 says, in the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him, and without him was not anything that was made. It goes on, verse 14, to help us to understand that this identifies Jesus. Verse 14, and the word that we just talked about in verse 1, 2, and 3, became flesh and dwelt among us, and we have seen his glory, glory as of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. Who's he speaking about? John, that is. Jesus, right? And just like, if you like, like I said, metaphorically speaking, Santa on wax, Jesus will bless you with the presence when you unravel his wraps. Oi. I mean, you want to take, a, take the metaphor like even in another direction. Remember when Jesus um, was in the tomb and then he wasn't? They put him literally in the tomb and then they put the stone and they sealed it, right? And then the disciples come, and they moved the stone. Well, the stone had been moved, right? And they looked, and they were like, oh, let's go, let's go check his body. And they went in. What did they find? Rap. Thank you, Bertram. Raps. <laughs> All right. I told you, like, multiple metaphors, right? And if you like, if you unravel the raps, guess what you find? You'd like to say nothing. But how many of you know the unraveling of the raps actually reveals the presence of Jesus because he wasn't dead, he's actually alive. Jesus will bless you with the presence when you unravel his raps. I'm not, you're not, and that's just a sidebar, that's just a metaphor, you know what I'm saying? When you actually, you really get his presence when you unravel his word, his raps, R-A-P-S, not his W-R-A-P-S. And not only do you get his presence, you get his blessing as a present, like a gift. More about that next week. It's too much. Luke chapter 24. Remember, resurrection, I just made reference to it. We're going to read it. Luke chapter 24, resurrection. Jesus had been crucified, and now it's resurrection Sunday. You know what I'm saying? And he's risen now from the dead. Now, Easter's coming, so we'll talk more about this at Easter time. Um, but Luke 24, you know, I, I felt like I just wanted to read a little bit of it. And even, you know what I'm saying, knowing that Denzel did this maybe about seven, eight weeks ago, maybe ten weeks ago or so. 
couple months ago. But I still felt inclined to read it because it's so incredible. And because I'm reading it, I've made an attempt to split this into two weeks. I was like saying to my, to my wife, saying, honey, now Helen was saying to me, Robert, you know you can't be too long yeah, every week. She's, thankfully, she's just helpfully honest with me. Robert, you know you can't be too long yeah, because you preach so long. And um, I said, yeah. I said, yeah. And she said, are you finished yet? And I said, well, still kind of preparing. She said, cut it in two. Do it in two weeks. And I thought, I, in my mind, I was like, no, I can't. I don't like that. It's like, imagine watching a film halfway through and then stopping and then coming back next week and watching the rest of the film. Who can do that? Come on now. Did you put your hand up so you can do that, Harry? I can't work like that. It's like if I walk into it and I see, all right. It, what about, a, oh. Oh, man said, what about a series, you know? You're absolutely right, Dean. Who's watching The Good Doctor? You guys seen The Good Doctor? Oh, what a fantastic series. Stop. My, this brother. It, bruv, I already told you it's shorter than what it was supposed to be. You know what I mean? Man's, man's, man's clearing his throat on me, you know. Like, keep, like keep. If you don't know, when you hear Bertram clear his throat, he's telling me to keep it moving. Now, now talk about the pot calling the kettle black. Oh, uh, <laughs> okay then. All right. All right. So that's the last time you clear your throat on me, brother. <laughs> Unless you got the flu, right? <laughs> Amen. Luke chapter 24. But it says, But on the first day of the week, right, this is a Sunday, at early dawn, they went to the tomb, taking the spices that they had prepared, and they found a stone rolled away from the tomb. But when they went in, they did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. While they were perplexed about this, behold, two men stood by them in dazzling apparel. And as they were frightened, because this is, I mean, dusk, so it's still quite dark, and you know what I'm saying? It's not daylight yet, and you see two figures, you're going to be shook, isn't it? They were frightened, verse 5, bowed their faces to the ground. The men said to them, right, the angels, why do you seek the living among the dead? He's not here, but, he's, he, but has risen. Remember how he told you while he was still in Galilee? That the Son of Man must be delivered into the hands of sinful men and be crucified and on the third day rise. And they remembered his words. Jesus got words, got bars, right? Verse 9, and returning from the tomb, they told all these things to the eleven and to all the rest. Now, continuing in verse 10, it was Mary Magdalene and Joanna and Mary the mother of James and the other women with them who told these things to the apostles. Notice it was the ladies who discovered that Jesus was alive first. You know what I mean? <laughs> Swiftly moving on. But these words seemed to, to them an idle tale. The men weren't really feeling it. They weren't hearing it. And they did not believe them. But Peter rose and ran to the tomb. Stooping and looking in, he saw the linen cloths by themselves, like we just said a minute ago. I put my glasses on. There we go. HD. But Peter rose and ran to the tomb, stooping and looking. He saw the linen. And, and, and he went home marveling at what had happened. That, that very day, two of them. Now, this is what I really wanted to get to. That very day, two of them were going to a village named what? Emmaus. About seven miles from Jerusalem. Two guys. And they were talking with each other about all these things that had happened. While they were talking and discussing together, uh-oh, Jesus himself, remember, the brother that was dead, right? 
he, Jesus himself, drew near and went with them, but their eyes were kept from recognizing him. So they just think that he's just another stranger walking down the road to Emmaus. And he said to them, what is this conversation that you are holding with each other as you walk? And they stood still, looking sad. Verse 18, and one of them named Cleopas, now only one of the two is named, right? One of them named Cleopas answered him, are you the only visitor to Jerusalem who does not know the things that have happened there in these days? Like, you don't know what I've gone. And he said to them, what? this is Jesus, you know. What things? <laughs> and they said to him, concerning Jesus of Nazareth. A man who was a prophet, mighty indeed, and word before God and all the people, and how our chief priests and our rulers delivered him up to be condemned to death and, and crucified him. But we had hoped that he was the one to redeem Israel. Yes, and besides all this, it's now the third day since these things happened. Verse 22, moreover, some women of our company amazed us. Women are amazing, right? They were, at the t they were at the tomb early in the morning. And when they did not find his body, they came back saying that they had, see they had even seen a vision of angels who said that he was alive. Can you believe that? Jesus is like, hmm. Verse 24, some of those who were with us went to the tomb and found it just as the women had said. But him they did not see. And he said to them, Jesus can't hold it back no more. You look so stupid. <laughs> he said, oh, foolish ones, and slow of heart to believe all that the prophets, the prophets have spoken. Was it not necessary that the Christ should suffer these things and enter into his glory? Like, why are you surprised? This was written like, you look, don't read your Bible, obviously. It says, it says, was it not necessary that the Christ should suffer these things and enter into his glory and be, notice, and begin in verse 27 with Moses and all the prophets, like the Old Testament, he interpreted to them in all the scriptures the things concerning who? Himself. So what, is he saying that the Old Testament was talking about him? So he's telling them, he's breaking it down for them, isn't it? Verse 28, so they drew near to the village to which they were going. He acted as if he was going farther. But they urged him strongly, saying, stay with us, for it is toward evening. Now remember, they still don't know who he is, right? Stay with us, for it is toward evening, and the day is now far spent. So he went in to stay with them. They begin to enjoy his presence, right? Verse 30, when he was at table with them, he took the bread and blessed and broke it. And gave it to them. And verse 31. And their eyes were opened. And they recognized him. And if you like. Just as, imagine just at that moment. When you'd want to grab a hold of him. It says and he vanished from this sight. <laughs> wow. They said to each other. Wow. Did not our hearts burn within us. While he talked to us on the road. While he did what? While he opened up the scriptures they knew them but guess what they needed unraveling they needed unpacking right and imagine you got jesus <laughs> the one who wrote them or should i say yeah 
This is, I mean, I said it's an oversimplified way of, you know what I'm saying, of saying it. But this is Jesus. Imagine him. He's the author of those words. And now he is breaking. I mean, we are here. And if you're with me, you know what I'm saying, it's like I read this and my heart burns within me. You know what I mean? Hopefully the same would be true for you. And I'm not Jesus. You know what I mean? Imagine Jesus himself breaking it down. Oh, my gosh. Talk about, talk, talk, talk about spitting bullets as an MC. Oi! You know what I mean? They were like, boy, they were, if you're like, our hearts burned. We were feeling it. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? He opened to us the scriptures in verse 33. And they rose that same hour and returned to Jerusalem. And they found the 11. And those who were with them gathered together saying, the Lord has risen indeed, you know. And he's appeared to Simon. Then they told what happened on the road and how he was known to them in the breaking of bread. Who knows when Jesus broke the bread, maybe they saw what? The scars or the nail prints in his hands. And they were like, oh, they were like, you mean to tell me this whole time we've been walking on the road and you never, you never told us? Oh, my God. It's, it's him. It's the other one we were talking about. Oh my we're not trying to exposit Luke 24. So... Me and Pastor E, if he was here, I would, I would have asked him to do this tune with me, but he's not here, so we can't do it. But I'm going to do my verse if I can remember it. We've done a tune, right? And we said, Lord Jesus, your word's still rocking me. I don't know if some of you may have heard that tune. It's about 15 years old. Long time, old tune, right? Old school tune. And, um, and that's the, the song's called, Lord Jesus, your word still rocking me. It's just another way of saying, Lord, your, your word makes my heart burn. I'm feeling your word. And I mean, that was the name of the tune. And I've got a verse on there, and this is how it goes. Lord. <laughs> Lord, you make my heart burn like Cleopas, walking down the road. You, me, E, Ephraim, the three of us. Wait, let me switch my phone off. This is a better word. You speak things that I never heard. Lord, unzip my mind like pockets. Moses through the prophets. Your high priestly office. I know I said I'd never leave for no reason, but John 6 had me confused for a season. Lord, listen to the things you suggest. Drink your blood and eat your flesh. That's crazy. Lord, now I realize you ain't playing. I'm still a bane, but Lord God, that's a hard saying. Now I see that you went to great lengths. Paid the expense. Now the whole thing makes sense. God's people, if you ain't going to die, raise your hands to the sky. And if you can't, tell me why. Lord Jesus, your word's still rocking me, right? That was my verse on that. I thought I'd just do it because I'm in Luke 24, isn't it? <laughs> Moving on, verse 36. As they were talking about these things, oh my gosh. Look who steps into the, like, boom. Look, look who steps into the room. Providing his presence. Jesus himself stood among them and said to them, yo, I ain't got time. Like, peace to you. I mean, how many of you know they'd be, they'd be flipping out now, right? They began losing their minds, running up and down the place, right? It's like, you look, cut, chill. It's like, calm, it's cool. I'm saying, what do you mean it's cool? You were dead. You're alive. But why are you surprised? Remember, he had that conversation already. Verse 37, but they were startled and frightened and thought they saw a spirit. And he said to them, why are you, 
Why are you troubled and why do doubts arise in your hearts? See my hands and my feet, that it is I myself. Touch me and see, for a spirit does not have flesh and bones as you see that I have. Physical, literal resurrection. Verse 40, and when he had said this, he showed them his hands and his feet. <laughs> and while they still disbelieved for joy and were marveling, he said to them, have you anything, <laughs> love it, have you anything here to eat? And they gave him a piece of broiled fish and he took it and he ate it before them and he said to them these are my these are my words that I spoke to you while I was still with you that everything written about me in the law of Moses and the prophets and oh and the Psalms must be fulfilled so Lord are you telling me that you're telling me that the Psalms speak about you. Yeah, they speak about me, Robert. Yeah, wow. But well, that's helpful. Knowing that we're talking about you in the Psalms while we're doing this, the Psalms. That must mean that the Psalms are somewhat prophetic. Like what? Prophetic poetry. And she's like, yeah. Like, yeah. All right, then. Then he opened their minds to understand Jesus unraveled the scriptures and said to them, thus it is written that the Christ should suffer and on the third day rise from the dead and that repentance and forgiveness of sins. Remember last week, this is how sinners can be made righteous. But that doesn't happen apart from what took place three days prior to this, which is the righteous becoming sin. And that repentance and forgiveness of sins should be proclaimed in his name to all nations, beginning from Jerusalem. Then he led them out as far as Bethany and lifting up his hands. What did he do? Yo, I mean, he's the blessed man. He's the best man. You know what I mean? He's the blessed man and he is the one who also provides blessing like Santa. I mean, I'm not trying to be disrespectful, but... You understand the metaphor. Lifting up his hands, he blessed them. And while he blessed them, he parted from them and was carried up into heaven. And they worshipped him. And they should do because Jesus is 100% man, but he's 100% God. They worshipped him and returned to Jerusalem with great joy and were continually in the temple blessing God. Now, I don't have as much time as I would like to. <clears throat> Can you begin to see how Psalm 1 speaks about Jesus? I mean, who is it that really fulfills Psalm 1? Come on now. We've been encouraging one another to meditate in God's word and be like that tree, but come on. Who really fulfills this psalm? Who is the blessed man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked ever? Nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers. Well, it sure ain't me. And I don't have to ask because I know it ain't you, right? Not regularly, consistently, perpetually, perfectly, right? Harry Ironside, who's a commentator, a, a, a biblical commentator, 
He told a story of a visit to Palestine years ago by a man named Joseph Flax. And Joseph Flax, he had an opportunity to address a gathering of Jews and Arabs and took for the subject of his address this first psalm. He read it, like we did, and asked the question, Who is this blessed man? Now remember his audience, Arabs and Jews. Who is this blessed man of whom the psalmist speaks? This man never walked in the counsel of the wicked or stood in the way of sinners or sat in a seat of mockers. He was an absolutely sinless man. Who is he? Well, they could have responded by saying, well, it wasn't our father Abraham. Like, how many of you know? <laughs> he was a liar. On numerous occasions, he told false truths about his wife, remember? It wasn't, I mean, who would you say is the greatest man in the Old Testament? Thank you. I would definitely say Moses. Imagine, the lawgiver. You know what I'm saying? Moses or David. Thank you. A little bit of call and response. Thank you. That person. Thank you. Moses. How many of you know Moses? He can't be the guy in Psalm 1. Not perfectly, because Moses, how many of you know, was a murderer? How many of you know Moses horribly lost his temper? How many of you know? He, all right, it's all coming. Ah, you want to ah, ah, help me now? Ah, you don't want to join in now? All right, then. Yeah, Enoch, amen, is a good one. But um, Enoch doesn't fit my purpose this morning. <laughs> But we know if, like, our biblical theology says, even though Enoch was not, and you think, what do you mean he was not? He disappeared because God took him. He walked so closely with God, right? But our biblical theology tells us that Enoch was still a sinner. Elijah went up in a chariot, you know what I'm saying? Like, where's his body? Who knows? You know what I'm saying? But Elijah was a, obviously, he was a man of like passion. James tells us he was a sinner. You know what I mean? Those are two examples Unusual examples of individuals who walk with God, but they were still sinners. Moses, you know, Moses, like I said, Moses had terrible anger issues. Thank God for those examples in Scripture. I mean, and this is not just, this is not in Egypt when he was like the prince in Egypt, young and, and, and wham. You know what I mean? No, no, that's not then. This is lay, way, way, way like, like quay. When my man's in the wilderness, leading the people to children of Israel, like he's the big man, like the, the man of God, like sat with God, like walked, like talked with God face to face. But someone ain't talking about him. He had anger issues. King David, as was mentioned, imagine the composer of most of these Psalms. David weren't the guy in Psalm 1. David watched pornography. Which, which then led to him committing adultery. And then which led to him then committing murder. This ain't talking about David. I remember Ironside is quoting Joseph Flax. Telling this story to some Jews and some Arabs. I got, I got you wrapped up in the story, innit? Jeez, well, there's me thinking I got you wrapped up in the story. You're like, well, not really, Pastor Rob. But bringing it back, 
as he's communicating this, I mean, you could go to the New Testament and talk about Paul, great man. He gets to a point now, but keeping it in its context, he's talking to Jews and Arabs. There was silence as they were listening and thinking, yeah, who is someone talking about? And then the gentleman, the elderly gentleman arose and said, my brothers, I have a little book here. It is called the New Testament. I've been reading it. And if I could believe this book, if I could be sure that it's true, I would say that the man of the first psalm was Jesus of Nazareth. Jesus. He who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly or stands in the, in the way of sinners or sits in the seat of scoffers. Do you remember one specific occasion when Jesus was being given ungodly counsel? <laughs> and that from a friend. Matthew 16, from that time, Jesus began to show his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things from the elders and the chief priests and scribes and be killed and on the third day be raised. Now, we just read this post the resurrection. This is Jesus telling his disciples pre-resurrection and they, didn't, they, didn't, they never got it, right? Even after it happened, as we just read. Verse 22, and Peter took him aside and said, wait a minute, Jesus, this is not how this thing's going to go. Trust me. It's like, you're going to what? You're going to be killed and die. No, 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 no. It's like he never heard the other part. But Jesus, bro, you hear the bit that I said on the end? Peter weren't hearing that. He was like, wait, Jesus. Not only did he take him aside and start to correct him, the verse says he rebuked Jesus. Saying, come on now, Lord. I mean, that's, that's an oxymoron. Come on now, Lord. Like, you know what I'm saying? Beef. <laughs> Lord is master, right? So he's not really listening to the master. Um, that shall never happen to you. Would you say that this is wise counsel? This is not wise. This is his brethren. Jesus turns and he says to him, <laughs> he said to Peter, get behind me, Satan. You are a hindrance to me, for you are not setting your mind on the things of God, but on the things of man. I'm, try I'm trying to tell you, someone, Jesus, he ain't taking no, not even ungodly counsel from his friends. And there's a lot that could be said about that. Then the classic test by the devil literally himself, right? In Matthew 4. And Jesus was led up by the, by the spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. And after fasting, whoa, after fasting, 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. It's like the text preempted us thinking he must have been very hungry. And the tempter came and said to him, if you are the son of God, command these stones to become loaves of bread. Can you see how he hits him when he's at his weakest? You know what I mean? Just, just, you're hungry, isn't it? <laughs> Evidently. I mean. But notice what Jesus does. He says it is written. Now, I don't suspect he had the scroll with him. How did Jesus remember that it was written? He wrote, uh, he wrote, he said he wrote it. Amen. But remember, he's 100% man. How many of you know Jesus memorized the scriptures and had meditated on the scriptures, like it says in Psalm 1? And how he responds is based on his meditation of God's word. And I'm saying, he says, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. Oh, the devil like, oi, ooh. Okay, oh, rude boy. All right, then. 
99% of people fall at that hurdle. Oh, so you're a bad man. All right, cool. I've got, I got, I got, I got something else lined up for you. Then the devil took him to the holy city and set him on the pinnacle of the temple and said to him, all right then, like you never heard me before. Let me ask you again. If you are the son of God, right, throw yourself down and notice who's quoting the scriptures now. You have to see, my, my, man, my man's on some, um, I forget the name of it, stress. Just drop, just drop the ball and drop the point. But, um, you know, you heard of Wing Chun? Oh, there's a new version of Wing Chun, it's not Wing Chun. It's what they use in UFC. Help me, Mark, help me. You're going to leave me a drown out here, bro. You don't know. There's a Chinese, there's some kind of. West, um, 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 Eastern fighting form, low, low gal, something like that. I can't remember, but they use it in, in UFC. So this is what the devil, you see the devil just shift like poles on Jesus. You know what I mean? <laughs> and he starts to quote scripture now. He's like, all right, so, all right, so, all right, okay, then you're, he says, the scripture says, it is written, he will come out, God will come out, his angels concerning you, and on their hands they will bear you up, lest you strike your foot against a stone. So, so the enemy gets religious, starts quoting scripture, and he knows it well. Verse 7, Jesus retorts, you know what I'm saying? Again, Jesus comes back at him, like blocks him, you know what I'm saying? And then does a spinning roundhouse kick or something, you know what I mean? This, this is the art of fighting without fighting, right? And... He says, again, it is written, you shall not put the Lord your God to the test. Again, the devil comes back, round three, right? And he took him to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their glory. And he said to him, all these I will give you. And here he plays his, his hand. He shows his hand now. This is ultimately what he wants. All these I will give you if you will, if you will fall down and worship me. I mean, if you like, that's what ultimately, I mean, he wants to be like God. We see that in Ezekiel. We see that in Isaiah 14, Ezekiel 28. <clears throat> this is ultimately what he wants. And this is what happens when we submit to him in that fashion. Fall down and worship me. And Jesus said to him, be gone, Satan. Why? For it is written, you shall worship the Lord your God and him only shall you serve. Three temptations. Who's this again? Who's this being tempted? No, it's Adam. Remember, Adam number two. Do you remember there was an Adam number one who went through a similar temptation? But Adam number one, he was in a beautiful garden. It was lush. He weren't hungry. He had all them trees to eat from. But here's Adam number two being tested in the same way. But he's in a wilderness, not in a, not in a garden. And he's hungry. How many of you know... It's a much, much greater challenge for Adam number two. Adam number one, same three temptations, lust of the flesh, lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. Thank you. Who said that? Phew. Phew. Boy, out of the mouths of babes, that was perfected praise. Wow. It wasn't. Um, sorry. Doesn't mean he's not spiritual. He's a spiritual young man. Lust of the flesh, lust of the eyes, pride of life, which equates to 
physical satisfaction, right? Think Adam in the garden or Eve in the garden. The second, the second temptation, the lust of the eyes, is, is secular or earthly carnal wisdom. The third is pride or personal glory. In Genesis 3, now the serpent was more crafted than any other beast of the field. This is for us who never read that, read our Bible this, like, this whole week, getting it all in one day, in one sitting. Now the serpent was more crafty than any other beast of the field that the Lord God had made. He said to the woman, did, you, did God actually say you shall not eat any of, the, um, eat of any tree in the garden? And the woman said to the serpent, we may eat of the fruit of the trees in the garden, but God said, you shall not eat of the fruit of the tree that is in the midst of the garden, neither shall you touch it, lest you die. Trees in the garden. But the serpent said to the woman, you will not surely die, for God knows that when you eat of it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. Oh, more eyes being opened. Sounds very similar to what we just read in terms of Jesus opening blind eyes. But is the devil telling the truth when he says, you do this, you have your eyes opened. Guess what's actually going to happen? You're going to actually have your eyes closed. Moving on. Verse 6. So when the woman saw that the tree was, one, good for food. Sound like turn this bread, these stones into bread. This, when she saw that the tree was good for food and that it was delight to the eyes and that the tree was to be desired to make one wise, she took of its fruit and ate. And she also gave some to her husband who was with her and he ate. That's crazy because I read all of that and it's all about Eve. The last part of the verse just begins to talk about Adam. And guess who gets the blame? <laughs> it's not Eve, it's Adam, number one. Right? Adam, number one. First Corinthians 15, thus it is written, The first man, Adam, became a living being when God breathed breath into his nostrils. The last Adam, Adam number two, became a life-giving spirit, right? The blessed man who could provide blessing. If anything, the first man who took the blessing that we had and poisoned everything. Like, it's like he took the water and, like, and poisoned it. You know what they say? They say real evil is when you get all you can, get all you can, can all you get, sit on the can and poison the rest. That's what happened to us. Thanks, Adam. Verse 47, the first man was from the earth, natural, a human, right, a man of dust. The second man, or the second Adam, should I say the last Adam, second man, get it right, Robert, is from heaven. Two Adams. And as we get ready to conclude, verse, verse 15 of Hebrews 4 says, of this Adam, Adam number two, for we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with, with our weakness, for, um, but, but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are, yet without what? You see how not everybody was born in sin? You see how not everyone has the inclination to sin? There's one particular individual. What I'm trying to say is, can you begin to see how as we continue to unravel Psalm 1, how prophetically it speaks about Jesus. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers, but evidently his delight, Jesus' delight. Adam number two's delight was in the law of the Lord, and in it did he meditate day and night. Prophetic poetry. Psalm 1, speaking about Jesus. Let's pick this up 
from here next week. You'd be like, Pastor Rob, you split that in two. Mm-mm. Sounded like, sound like you should have split it in four. Amen. Praise the Lord. I'm going to invite the team to come join me. I'm going to pray. <clears throat> Father, thank you. Um, with all due respect, Lord, Jesus, that, 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 that lyric, that bar from that song reminds me of him. Jesus is like Santa on wax who blesses us with his presence when... We unravel his wraps. Father, would you help us to continue just to see the wonder of your word? Not only is it powerful poetry in the Psalms, but it's also prophetic poetry. And I mean, it points so wonderfully to Jesus. Um, I pray that, Father, that would be um, our testimony this, this afternoon, having, 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 jointly unraveled your word, Jesus' rap, as it were. Thank you for this great blessing in Jesus' name. Amen. Join us next time for more of God's truth to transform your reality.